academic scholars of quality of life issues in agriculture write a lot about farmers' access to health insurance and other benefits like retirement payments and sick leave. Being self-employed with the relatively low incomes that farming usually offers means a lot of farmers have other jobs. It's something Karen Cox, the West Virginia University Extension Agent for Ohio County, sees all the time. That's a huge issue for um, rural communities and farming. Just that lack of health insurance. Agriculture is a dangerous job. Um, there's large equipment, there's animals, there's all sorts of things. And not having access to health insurance is really a struggle. So most farmers that I know, at least one person has to work off the farm just to have health insurance. You know, and I've watched farmers leave farming because there was no health insurance. Remember Eric and Brianna Blend, the young farmers who are losing their lease but can't seem to find anyone to sell them land? It's just frustrating because there's so much vacant farmland that nothing is going on, but yet they just want to sit on it. And Mick Luber, who's looking to retire but can't find anyone to take over his farm? I've been trying to sell the place for two years and yeah. uh, find somebody uh, to take it over. They may seem like a match made in farming heaven, but the issue is a little more complicated. Eric and Brianna both work full-time, in addition to farming. Brianna's a special ed teacher at a nearby elementary school, and Eric works for the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection, which requires him to live within the state. In the northern panhandle, a narrow stretch of West Virginia straddling Pennsylvania and Ohio, that is easier said than done. There's 12 miles of West <laughs> yeah. Virginia here. Yeah. That's it. Even if they could move their jobs, already having done the work to establish a customer base makes that hard. We've made a name for ourselves here. Yeah, I mean, and, and moving into another county, I mean, they, all, I mean, we'd have to start our market and our customer base from square one. I mean, you're wiping everything clean. <laughs> so it's almost, it, it must be better to scale down. I'd rather just be farming, but uh, it doesn't, there just isn't enough, our business isn't big enough right now to withstand that. Mm -hmm. um, and then with the extra, you know, retirement, paid days off, holidays, uh, makes it really difficult. Eric's not alone. About 40 to 50% of farmers in this region work more than 100 days per year off the farm. That's in line with the national average, but it's still higher than places like the Dakotas, Nebraska, or California, where more than a quarter of all farms have annual sales over $250,000. Compare that to the upper Ohio Valley, where most farms are netting less than $10,000 a year in sales. This off-farm work comes in many forms. Eric Blend works primarily from home, while Brianna is on a school year schedule and can take on more farming responsibility in the summer. Mick Luber, who runs an organic farm in Ohio, makes most of his living from his farm, but also acts as an organic inspector for OFA, the Ohio Ecological Food and Farm Association, and was a postal worker earlier in his career. Eric Freeland, who farms berries and a few other crops in Brooke County, West Virginia, farms full-time in the summer and runs a construction business in the off-season which doesn't leave a lot of time for rest and relaxation. How do you, so since you're farming in the summer, doing construction in the winter, do you ever take like vacations or kind of take, get to take trips? I've heard of those. Like I've heard of people taking vacations. But you know, that's, that's one downside of, uh, I kind of calculate out of work, you know, really seven days a week for, you know, almost a year. And that's really not good. I mean, you need to have some days off, but like I said, during that summertime, when could you possibly? Of course, I, I like being here probably about as much as anything. I've had, you know, I've, I've vacationed a lot when I was younger. Not to say I wouldn't, you know, still mind going some places, but you know, my, my refuge is now the farm. As Eric gets older though, the refuge of the farm has its pros and cons. 
You just can't go 16 hours a day like you used to 20 years ago. So now you're a little bit concerned with, you know, how long can I keep, you know, working mm -hmm. hard, you know, out on the farm. So now you got to work a little bit smarter and a little more equipment mm -hmm. and, you know, incorporate more help, you know, so. But you, do you feel like you have access to any of the resources that you need just in terms of, uh, either kind of like professional advice and help or equipment or anything like that? Well, there's probably some deficiencies there. For example, like cable TV nor internet exist out here. Then, you know, you're further away from like medical care. You're always in the back of your mind if, you know, some catastrophic injury or illness, you know, you're a fair distance away from, you know, hospitals and being tied to the farm can be an adjustment for first-generation farmers like the Blends, especially in the summer months when most people are taking annual vacations, but farming activities are at their peak. We went to North Carolina to move his brother for four days, and it unfortunately was the hottest four days here in Wheeling, and we lost two pigs because they couldn't get enough shade, and we like didn't know what to do because we're in North Carolina nine hours away, and our poor neighbors trying to watch them, and then... A raccoon got in the chickens, and I was like, we are never leaving. Going on vacation is really easy to do when you have a full-time job, but when you have a farm, you know, you're gone trust. for one week. You have to trust that person that, you know, we have all that product literally out there sitting. You know, it's, you know, one small thing, and you could lose thousands of dollars. The Blend's hesitation about leaving the farm is an example of how having fewer farms makes things harder for those that are left. Fewer farms in a given region means fewer people farmers can ask for help and be sure that crops and livestock will be cared for. The Blend's had a neighbor they could ask to keep an eye on things, but without significant experience in agriculture, a spike in temperatures quickly becomes a crisis. This is the kind of thing that a hundred years ago would have been taken care of by the exchange of in-kind labor among communities where most people were farming. But these days presents a challenge to smaller owner-operated farms that don't have additional employees. Access to those additional employees is its own complicated issue within agriculture. Here's Karen Cox. The biggest challenge is no one wants to do the work. So it's not that they will not hire people, it's that they can't find people to hire. Though even when they do find people to hire, there are structural challenges to rural life that keep those seeking employment away from agriculture. The people who are willing to do the job of farm labor, typically, and I'm making some generalizations here, may not have a car. All the farms are out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And so in order to get someone from the city to the middle of nowhere, there needs to be transportation. So that's hurdle number one. You have to have reliable transportation. Hurdle number two is if you are working on a farm full time, you need a place to live that's somewhat near that farm so you don't have an hour long commute to, you know, go work all day and then have a physical labor job and then go back. Um, so typically when you're out in a rural area, there's no, no place to live. It's finding a rental area, a rental house in the middle of nowhere is very challenging. Yeah. Well, and also having to... I mean, you're talking about people's profits getting eaten away. It's like having the additional income, um, having the farm have enough income to be able to then pay additional workers. Is that something that's challenging? Or it seems like the money is there. It's just, like, hard to get the people. 
That's a loaded question. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Um, mostly because uh, one of the biggest challenges we have is getting farms to budget out for labor. Mm-hmm. Um, for the farms that have enough production to be able to hire people, um, they typically have a good hold on their budget. A lot of the farms that would really like to hire someone or that only hires family or friends, um, they are typically not even paying themselves. Um, so trying to determine whether or not the farm has a large enough profit margin to be able to hire, you know, that is something that we're trying to teach. Mm-hmm. Finding, transporting, and housing people who want to do labor-intensive seasonal work has led some farmers to make creative arrangements. Eric Freeland has met some of these challenges by renting the house next door, which he also inherited from family, to a friend who can help out on the farm. He's also tried some pick-your-own and work exchange. That's the weak link of, um, of agriculture in, in this part of the country and, and growing produce and berries is, uh, is a tremendous amount of picking involved. So it's been quite difficult to have like a steady, you know, like a steady work or a steady supply of people. It's hard to get people to come back season after season, especially when there's better paying full-time work available. The gas and oil has impacted every business in this valley that if a person was kind of a good worker, then they would maybe hire on to a higher paying job in like with the gas and oil or something. It's created a lot of voids, so you know, agriculture doesn't pay a tremendous amount. Sue and Bill Beinlich from Triple B Farm employ mostly teenagers and a few adults to work part-time in the summer at their on-farm store and family fun activities like their haunted boo barn and giant slide. But when it comes to in-the-field farm labor... Work visas for four guys, four Hispanic guys. Mm -hmm. And then I have uh, a husband and wife that live here that... um, they're with us full-time. And his mom and dad. Um, yeah. So if, I would say yeah. it was six full-time. Competing with higher wages available in other industries or in urban areas often means that larger farms like Triple B end up sourcing internationally for experienced workers. United States people do not want to do that work. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Yeah, it is what it is. It's not terribly glamorous work sometimes. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it doesn't involve computer screens or, you know. Right. It's just different. Mick Luber, the organic farmer in Cadiz, Ohio, has consistently employed four or five people on his farm and market stands in the summer. Early in his farming career, these were teenagers and young adults he found through the co-op and environmentalist communities. But in more recent years, the demographics have changed. Does it seem like everybody that you've worked with has kind of had a distinct interest in agriculture? or people? No. no. <laughs> no people are just looking for jobs. Most people don't understand it agriculture and most people are not taught anything except to go someplace for five days a week and you have your weekends off. There are just not a lot of people that have knowledge of farming. We heard from a few folks that nobody wants to do the hard work of farming, or no Americans at least, and that's a popular refrain in conversations about American agriculture. But inevitably, people do it. We still have farms, and we have statewide and regional groups focused on sustainable agriculture or farming certain products. We have groups for young farmers and new farmers, farmers who are veterans and multi-generational farmers. But, of course, there are fewer people working on farms now than at any other time in American history. So what's the missing link? How do we have so many organizations and so much talk about farming, but so few people actually doing it? 
Well, lack of health insurance, low incomes, lack of housing and transportation infrastructure in rural areas, lack of agricultural knowledge or experience. Very real social sustainability issues that push people away from this work, especially laborers who don't own the farm. These issues affect not just agriculture, but lots of industries. In few other industries, though, is this lack of workers framed as a moral failing on the part of a nation or a generation. Maintaining small to mid-sized farms benefits our communities in a lot of ways, and clearly strikes a nerve with our national identity. Our food systems are more resilient and secure when they're at least partially localized, and local farmers are embedded in communities in a way that industrial food producers usually aren't. In the next episode, we'll look more closely at how farmers connect to their communities and to each other.